What's going on with dance and stuff? What's happening with dance and things? What's going on? What's happening? What's going on with dance and stuff? Welcome. We're here. We're, it's, it's happening. Renee. Welcome to our show. We did I, it. I'm so excited to be here. Where are you? I'm in New Orleans. I'm in the seventh ward um, in Gentilly. And so I am really close to the lake and close to the river, um, surrounded by water. And it's really hot. But uh, today is, you know, has been fortunate because we got some rain. Mm. So, Do you have air conditioning in your home? Yes. Every, yeah. Most people have like central air. And, um, you know, uh, those who do not, you hear about that, that all the time. Like, that's the only thing they want to talk about. Um, is that they don't have central air. Mm-hmm. <laughs> do you have central air? We do. We do. Oh, do you, wow. do you live in a home that you own? Are you a homeowner? I'm not yet a homeowner. I'm hoping to like buy this year, but I live with my roommate who owns the home. Ooh. Yeah. Can you imagine? Yes. I can yeah. imagine you buying like, a home, Renee. Like literally, I can imagine you doing it. Yeah. If, if Reed or I said it, it would be like, <laughs> yes, no. I can imagine living with a roommate and I can imagine you owning a home. So. Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Those are our, those are our dreams. Those yeah. are our realities. <laughs> um, it's a lady and other very, very special guest. Truly one of my best friends in the entire world who mm-hmm. we have known each other since we were 19. Mm-hmm. I am now 41 and you are 41, 41. Twins. We're both. Mm-hmm. Wow. When's your wow. birthday, Renee? And August 19th. <gasps> She is a Leo to the MAX. Look at the hair. It's coming. It's coming. Yeah. Wait, do you have gray hair? Yeah, look at Oh, I see. It's beautiful. Thank you. I love wearing them with the locks. Yeah. Wow. We both we both at this point have gray hair. I have some. We are um you have it's some. looking good. The little side peak, I mm-hmm. like it. Like a like a it's conductor, good. like a conductor. <laughs> that is what well, you do have conductor hair, Reed. You absolutely mm-hmm. have flopsy, yeah. like wild. It's just uh huh, with the glasses right at the edge of your nose. Uh huh. It's really, it's really that. Yeah. It is. It's absolutely. That's that. what I've always said. You know, um, people are like, "Oh, what tribe? What tribe are you in?" Some people are cubs. You know, some people are. Um, mm-hmm. bears. Oh, you're talking. He's talking about grinder. Yes, I'm a grinder. Well, I'm oh, talking okay. about gay gay culture in general, and I okay. am um, I'm um, 18th century composer vibes. That's my um. Yeah. That's my tribe. Well, yeah. pull me pull me in because you know I started traveling once that like once the 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 like tribe started so i only knew of like cubs and well otters and bears and that was it jack's and otter. otters and bears jack's full otter and the, i am i or i feel like there's gotta be there's gotta be a tribe that's like fox because i feel if you got me in a room i'd be like really just like Real, those panicky foxes that you see on Instagram, I'm like, that is literally me. Yeah. That is literally mm-hmm. me. And Renee clocks in full Leo Lion, like, all the way. We, all the way. Uh, yes, we met in 1998. Mm-hmm. Wow. That is crazy. Where were in, you? In Ithaca, New York. 
Ithaca. In Ithaca, in New York. Ithaca? Yeah, <laughs> we did a summer. We did a summer acting, like a mm. summer theater training thing. Oh, summer stock, yeah. What? What? what yeah. Okay, so were you just like learning techniques, or were you make? Were you in a play? Both. Both. What yeah. was your play? Both. What was your play? Well, the one that I wanted to talk about today. <laughs> the one I wanted to talk about today that really killed me was we all had to be in we all had to be in a children's theater show at least once. We did many plays. Oh, okay. But everyone but there was like three or four plays we did that summer. But we all had to be in one children's show. And Renee and I were in <laughs> the Velveteen Rabbit. Uh-huh. The Velvet and Winnie the Pooh. Oh wait, I was not in the Velveteen Rabbit. You're I just thinking, remember it happening. I was we were in as the Pooh. Velveteen Rabbit, which we're looking at now as like being racial type casting. You, T. Renee, you were the rabbit. I was the she Velveteen was, Rabbit. And yeah. Jack, she was the Velveteen you rabbit. were not in the Velveteen Rabbit, but you were in Winnie the Pooh. He was. I wasn't. Was Can Winnie I the guess Pooh. your character? I, were you a real character? Who me? Yeah, were you one of the stuffed animals? Yes. Well, no, I was in Winnie the Pooh. Yeah, no, were you one of the stuffed animals in Winnie the Pooh? They're stuffed animals. No. Oh, you were Christopher no, Robin? Not. No. You were the mom? <laughs> no. <laughs> I was Rabbit. He was Rabbit. Oh, interesting. Rabbit's Jack real. was Rabbit. Rabbit's real. Rabbit's real. Rabbit's real. Rabbit's real. I played Kanga. Oh, I guess. see, Jack. I wanted like, you to be Rue, and then you, and then you'd get in a, a pocket that Renee would have sewn into her gown, and I would have to carry her in my pocket <laughs> in a baby Bjorn, fashioned as a kangaroo <laughs> costume. Can you imagine? It would be a real. It'd be real. Let's talk about that in terms of in terms of race of like the little the little white gay queen being like, mm, pick me up. Help she me. was already called a ruckus, so as a rabbit. Wait, Renee, who rabbit? was who yeah, was yeah. Rue? Who played your baby? Uh the uh hunky guy Tom. <gasps> Ooh. Tom Sibbet. Holy, mm-hmm. holy, holy Christ. Yeah. yeah. And I would like terrorize him as Rabbit, because I played Rabbit as Mommy Dearest. Uh-huh. <laughs> Like, I was so mad to get cast in a children's theater show that I played it like this arch evil drag queen. And uh, Rabbit has a wig now. Rabbit has a wig. Yeah, I was like, I used the carrot like a cigarette. Like, I held the carrot like a cigarette and I like stormed everywhere, like, no more wire hangers. (laughs) And and we got no more honey pots. I was a real, it was, it was a real, like, how to, how to mess this thing up. And we got a comment from some parents who were like, excuse me, um, can the cast please not be seen after the show in their costumes smoking? That is really, yes. <laughs> because we would just like walk off stage and be like, uh Light up our parliaments. Wow, Jack. Just, uh, I, as a costume designer, have to say, that it's rude to smoke in costume. Mm. Rude. <laughs> well, How rude to... is it to put Jack in a children's show? I think it makes a lot That's of sense, actually. I think children respond to Jack because they feel his energies. <laughs> and he's, he's small. You know, children, children respond well to small things. They do. They yeah. do. 
I am. I'm small with energies. So yeah. Renee and I did that. We also did this really weird German expressionist play, I feel like, or something called The Trial. Was Remember we were like lawyers, Renee? Oh, yeah. I don't Amphibian, know. how does it, was it like Greek? I don't know. Okay. I, it is, this I time was, is vague. Well, I could really talk was. about theater camp with you all day. This is my favorite. Well, all I remember well, were the witching hours, you know, like the moments of being like in the car with Jack and being like someone died. That happened. We what? were There was this time we were in the car. We were listening to Tori Amos and we were in the car. And, and I would continually be like, I hate Tori Amos. And then I would sing along with all the lyrics. And Renee would be like, um, clearly, you do not hate Tori Amos. You're just trying to reject a piece of yourself. Were you rejecting and Tori we were, in favor of uh, PJ Harvey? Was that what was going on? Yes. Yes. I was yeah. like, I can't have any more of the sorrow. I need to have like, I'm going to cut off your legs energy. Right. Um, so, but so, I had only Tori or Nina Simone playing in the it car. It was true. Yeah. Renee would only play Tori or Nina. Well, even Jack and, may not have been lying, but if because if you go to Interlochen, you basically absorb Tori Amos through your skin. There's no way to leave without knowing the lyrics. <laughs> It's literally true. You can't. You cannot. In the late, like, I'm going to say in the late 90s. Right. In the late right. 90s. Mm -hmm. you, were, you literally couldn't leave Interlocking without having been heard every Tory song numerous times and probably every Bjork song. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Listen, I was one of the few um, girls who was listening to Tori Amos in Long Branch High School. You know, let's, yeah, let's talk about that. So yeah, I know. Was... So as we know, like I know Renee's history, but I knew that, but I, we've, we've been talking lately and I was like, you have to, cause I'm excited to talk about what you're doing now on the pod and form people, but I also want to say a little history too. You grew up in, oh, I want to say about the dead person though. Uh -huh. We're in the car where Tori's on this raven flies across like where we're driving and Renee goes, someone's dead. <laughs> and I was like, what? And she's like, someone's dead. We get back. And our friend's grandmother, she just was like getting off the phone. She's like, my grandmother just died. She was on her front and, porch wailing, wailing uh -huh. when we drive up. And I looked at Renee and I was like, wow. <laughs> <laughs> and that's been a lot of, that's been a lot of Renee's of a relationship since, which is basically, uh, it's the Leo Aquarius connection when we're, but it's also just our connection of that when we talk to each other, we get hyper psychic mm -hmm. and then start to like read each other's lives. Another favorite thing of mine, which I recalled to Renee recently was we would go to the Met because she, she was like, we can go to the Met and look at art. You only have to pay a penny. Yeah. And I was like, okay, cool. <laughs> and so, we're yeah, only we making go. two pennies. Let's pay one yeah. penny for the Met. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> One penny. So we would go, we would go and we would be like, that security guard's checking you out. That I, security guard's checking you out. To give those, to give those people at the cashier out. one penny is just such a statement. I've been in the line with friends who've given a penny and it feels so confrontational. But, mm -hmm. you know, that's, them's the rules. You know what I mean? Them's the rules. It's the only, it's New York, I pay for it. As a mm -hmm. tax, as a paying taxpayer, I pay for it. So Absolutely. look, I'm already paying for that museum, okay? Anyhow, there's many other stories, but Renee grew up in Long Branch, New Jersey. Yeah, so I grew up on the Jersey Shore. Um, no connection to MTV, Jersey Shore at all. But imagine me in the cast, it would probably be a completely different show and still running. I never saw that probably. show, but it's much better with you. It's much better. <laughs> Thank with you. you. 
I also never saw that show, but I can picture a lot of you being like, I'm going to my room. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then walking out and predicting things. Someone's going to yeah. throw a fist. New Jersey. Someone's getting exactly. too drunk all tonight. all the states, New Jersey is, has multitudes. Do you know what I mean? It's amazing. New Jersey is trash. New Jersey is treasure. New Jersey is the garden <laughs> state. New Jersey is a garbage dump. Do you know what I mean? I right. mean, she, New Jersey is like fourth in population in the United States and like 47th in size. <laughs> How do you wow. get, like, you're like, I'm going to just imagine what it's like to be shoulder to shoulder with people and yeah. create a state based on that image, mm-hmm. you know? It's high but and yeah, low. And that's literally it. Yeah. Yeah, high and low. But where I grew up in Long Branch by the ocean, we had like such um, a diverse, like it was like in high school, we all met each other. But in elementary school, middle school too, we all met each other. Elementary school, we were broken out by like the black elementary school, the like Puerto Rican elementary school, the, you know, white elementary school, then the wealthy white elementary school. And then like we came to, and the Asian elementary school, we came together in middle school and we were like, wait, what? And then by high school, we were like, we are family. And then all of us, by the time we got into university, we're like, did you know that I'm black? Like we were running the gamut. You know, I feel like people don't live a whole lifetime and have the experience of like just what I went through in those 17 years living in that city. Oh my God. It sounds like by the time you finished high school, you you were in England as you were all preparing for university. Exactly. That's what it felt like. University. That's what it felt like. (laughs) It's like, how can you have superlatives like number one, you know, number one surfer? And then have five percent nation also being well represented in your school, Excellent. right? I mean, it's really New Jersey's really bringing you America. I'm telling you, right? Literally, really... everyone's from New Jersey. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm an exception yeah, to the yeah. rule because I only lived there for four years for for middle school. Do you know what I mean? Everyone's Where'd you live? Princeton. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> <laughs> she, went to, she went to a creepy boys like singing school. I went to boy um, choir school in Princeton, uh, nine ages nine stop. to thirteen. Yeah, yeah exactly. Um, so <laughs> love it. So then, so then Renee goes to NYU. Mm-hmm. Whoa! First in which person. department? Uh, yeah, I was at Tisch School of the Arts. First person in my family to go to a four year university. Um, go to. Tisch School of the Arts. I'm studying at Lee Strasberg Institute. Anna Strasberg was there at that time with their dog who adored me. So Anna and I got to know each other. And then um, studied with the experimental theater wing with like Stephen Wong and all Grotowski. All of that amazing self-scripting bodywork. Studied with Mary Overly. Um, Got to travel to London to study at the Royal Academy of Dramatic Art as well. Got to meet Her Majesty because I knew how to pick a lock. What? Yeah, what? you didn't. You knew huh? the story when I was dating someone <clears throat> at RADA. Uh-huh. <laughs> how do I know how to pick a lock? You live in New well, no, York. No, I, I know. I know how to pick a lock. Mm-hmm. But wait, what is this? So I was at RADA, um, and right. they tried to when the Queen came. They tried to put all of like the New York kids upstairs in a tower, lock us up like Quasimodo, right? We were in the tower on the f- 
doing Alexander technique for like three hours. Mm-hmm. And I was like, there's not that mm-hmm. much alignment in the world. Like I'm aligned. She's aligned. We're all aligned. Get me <laughs> out of here. So <laughs> my, I had, a, I was dating a guy who was going to be performing a scene who was in Rada. And I was like, there's no way in my like 20 years of life, I'm going to give up the chance to see my guy performing for the queen. And, uh, so I asked someone for a hair, if they had like a hair clip, and I opened the doors and we made it downstairs in time. Wow. And then did you and then did you meet her? Were you like, excuse me? Well, it was just in time to like bow to curtsy. So the first group that went downstairs, they were the really courageous ones. I snuck down later, like crying, like, <laughs> I can't believe I'm doing something so dangerous. And you After know you how they are with black out. bodies. Like, don't do anything wrong. Gosh. Right, right, you know? right. <laughs> But you were the one who did it. You were like, okay, you picked the lock. And they were like, I'm free. And you're like, ooh, I'm sad. (laughs) Why did I do that? Yeah. I had no idea. I was still living in a trauma body at that age, you know? Like, I was courageous in youth, but the trauma body was so real, you know? Yeah, it was was definitely happening by the time we met. I mean, Mm -hmm. I, I just reminded Renee of this recently, that when we would talk early on, this is before like either of us were in therapy and we would have like, we would start to get into these talks and she would just pass out. No. She'd be like, and then blah, 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 blah. And she'd be like, yeah. And then what happened to me is, and then she'd just be like, no. And be like, Renee. And this would happen on the phone too. We'd have these long, like epic three hour long phone calls, which we were still currently doing all these years later. But, and I'd be like, Renee, Renee. She'd be like, I fell asleep. She was she was like, I'm so I like full I full fell asleep and then I saw a therapist my first therapist in New York, my second therapist in New York and she would be like so what happened with your dad and I'd be like I would pass out I mm. fall I felt would fall asleep in all these sessions with this woman it's very useful like, bodies are so resourceful wow they really are I have a question about acting mm-hmm. <clears throat> When you got to NYU, Lee Strasberg, names, names, mm-hmm. names, techniques, Meisner, mm-hmm. were you like, I love, I live, I learn? Or were you like, this is hilarious? What is it? Why? I am like the biggest cheerleader for everything. I didn't become discerning until like my 30s, like after doing a lot of crazy things. So, um, at that time, I walked in and I was like, I live, I learn, I love, I learn. And like, I'm doing all of this sense memory and like, let's bring up all this tragedy in my life. Although we know I was hiding the biggest tragedy in my life at the same time. You know, that comes out a little bit later in my life. But <clears throat> I was such a, I was so gun ho for every little ounce of experience. And even when I was able to perform in the... um in the main stage productions, you know, I remember my teacher, Daniel Banks at that time was like, this is the most amazing work I've ever seen a student do. And I was like, not even able to comprehend it because I was thinking to, of myself as a student and not necessarily an artist. Right. Mm. So we are like youth now have like broken through that myth of like needing education. You need the institution, you need the conservatory, you need the big name teacher. You know, I'm still working like, through I that. I need Instagram still dealing with it. <laughs> yeah, you are. You you feel that? Oh, like you're still it's kind of like... so powerfully in me. Like every time I'm in a learning situation, I'm like, 
I am stupid. I am worthless. There's no amount mm-hmm. of work that I could do that could allow me to be worthy of this thing I'm doing. That's my issue. <laughs> and she's working through it in grad school. I am. I know. Yes. She <clears throat> is working through it in a, in a two-year online program. So rude. Aren't you so happy we're not still dealing with dial-up? Like to go on, like to your class and be like, do, 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 do. It wouldn't happen. You'd be like, I'll, yeah, you'd be like, I'll be writing it out on note cards and sending it to you in the mail. Right. Send it to me in the sets. Yeah. Oh my, wait, wait, pause. I literally haven't had this thought. What if this had happened in the 90s or like the 1995? Well, everyone would turn around their clothes and stop wearing them backwards, like crisscross. Yeah, okay, <laughs> you know, and then <laughs> everyone had to remove their like, uh, you know, flannels from what Nirvana uh-huh. flannels. Uh huh. Um, or maybe we would be wearing them all the time. Actually, but we, I think I would absolutely fully be like, I'm in my Urban Outfitters pajamas that I wear to school. No, but I'm why are you answering the, the question? Time. What would happen in we terms of like, COVID? In, we would only be beeping each other. Wouldn't we be beeping each other? We didn't even have really we like didn't have, cell phones. We didn't have cell phones. We didn't even have beeping. We would and be like doing the internet slowly. But what slowly. about what about I don't call, think... school, etc.? <clears throat> I don't like it would look like it would look like a 12, you know, 12 point blue courier. What? That's what school would look like. What is that? A font. <laughs> a simple, simple font. That's Obsessed. the most simplistic font. It would be, we would be, I mean, all my applications for college when in 1996. I know. For graduating in 1997 were paper. Yeah, Like, of I had to write it out, print it, and then send it to... Juilliard, Carnegie Mellon, blah, blah, blah. You Jack, know, I had to record my voice replying to music schools onto audio cassettes that I would send in the mail yeah. with paper to people <laughs> to be like, listen to me. Five weeks later, they'd be like, "You, no, not needed. You don't need to come to an audition here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Five weeks later, exactly. Same. I filled out all these forms, then went and auditioned in Chicago, and they were like, uh, No. I was like screaming and crying. I was like, these are my contrasting monologues that don't contrast. I'm going to scream and cry in both of them. And one of them is supposedly funny. (laughs) You should, you decide. You should have just done the same monologue twice and been like, one is funny and one is not. Oh, that's true. That's a really good idea. You heard it here first, kids. You can take it from there. Anyhow, so Renee Wallet NYU were we're really partying we're, that's also happening mm-hmm. it's it's in new york it's new york and now the early aughts mm-hmm. and then and then what was your first job out of nyu oh i worked at new settlement apartments um mm-hmm. teaching with a, a, a young girls empowerment program right. um and Funny enough, I, you know, went back there because my parents are from that area. My parents were born and raised on the, um, in the Bronx. So um, years later, once I became like a full-time professional artist, I went back to that same community and ran a, a girls program, a one-week program for the last five years um, with uh, Joy Leonard, who 
was working there when I first came out of uh, college and she hired me and then she's still like running an amazing program for, um, you know, for girls and young women and non-binary. Um, <clears throat> and it's an amazing space. It's just, they're such powerhouses. And that's called New Settlement? Mm-hmm, New Settlement yeah. Apartments. It's just a, a beautiful place. Um, and I think that they actually built their own um, charter school. So elementary all the way through high school. Wow. And there's like a dance space in there too. I think Ailey sometimes used to do like their satellite, some of their programming there. Um, don't quote me on that because I could be totally wrong. You remember, I've like been in and out of this country for like, Renee, this is a research journalism podcast, so we right. we can't. No <laughs> mistakes are accepted here. None. Facts only. Um, it was fact so, checking. It's um. I am. Reed and I are fact checking. I've been talking. googling madly this whole time. My is that real? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Strasbourg. <laughs> what's <laughs> that? <laughs> so cheese. Um. So and then after that. And then after that, I worked um, doing fundraising at a couple of um, uh, progressive private schools and then ended working, ended up at the East Harlem Tutorial Program um, and then ran away with the circus on a boat. Huh? That's, that's the part I was waiting for yeah. to, to hear. Yes. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <clears throat> so, Are you ready um, for it, Reed? And one of them is... And it was wild because she's like at, I remember like I would go to like Calhoun school to like pick Renee up for us to like go eat at some vegan place. And, uh, and it was, I was like, wow, this school's crazy. And then all of a sudden one day she's like, so I'm, um, going to be performing on a boat in Europe. I don't know how we'll be in touch. And I was like, what? So, okay, Renee. This is gently, gently ringing bells in my brain. Are you kind of remembering mm-hmm. when, like, we caught up later? Mm-hmm, but keep going. Because during this time, you and I don't think... I hadn't met you again yet, Reed. Right. So, yeah, this is right. this is us and our, like... But I think I was we to like hear 20, these stories several years later. Yeah. Keep going. We were, like, 25, mm-hmm. I think. 25, 26, right? yeah. <clears throat> so my, my, um, my sister that I grew up with from another mister, Pam, found this... Cr- crazy boat from Canada that was like, you know, half, half Cirque du Soleil, half Pirates of the Caribbean, all poor theater all the time. Um, and they were, first they were in Lafitte, they were in um, Louisiana when she first joined with them. And then they went over, they took a larger boat because it's a riverboat bottom, took a larger boat across the Atlantic and ended up in Holland. And then uh, they were casting for a black actress who could sing. And so she's like, look, I'm going to hold the auditions. I'm going to do this thing in New York, but I'm sure I'm going to come back to you and cast you. And so that's basically what happened. She brought me over to Rotterdam and I started working with the Caravan Stage Theater Company, which is um, if you in Canada, they're known for having been on horse and buggy for over 40 years, um, traveling on horse and buggy. And then they separated. Half of them built a farm, a theater production company and a farm. And then the other half, when they thought they were too old to shoe horses, were like, we're going to build a boat. 
Um, I have a question. I have mm-hmm. many questions. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so getting ready for that boat life. This boat. Now mm-hmm. people would board the boat in the evenings to see a show or were they lit? Would they come on a cruise with you and be, was it a cruise or was it just a performance no. boat? <laughs> it's a, it's neither. Okay. The audience sits on the, um, the audience sits on the, um, the dock. Mm-hmm. And the boat, actually, the, the main deck of the boat is larger, is built larger to be a, a, a performance space. So um, all of the, everything's being done on the deck of the boat, which means that you can use all the masts for rigging. So there was always tons of aerialists. That's where I learned how to spin fire. <gasps> I have, mm-hmm. I've seen a production of like Titanic. Like the musical on a boat and they kind of sunk the boat. Was it like that? Um, I mean, the, there was a moment when the pontoon next to the boat sunk and that was really dramatic. That's bad. Um, that was bad. All of our poles, all of our set was actually on the pontoon. And so people like jumped on the pontoon to like lift up uh, pieces of our set onto the boat. And then finally, as it was like finally going underwater, Ramon, who's from Spain, who was like a stagehand and also a performer, jumped up on the side of the boat like Spider-Man as the boat took off. He was like holding onto the boat. Oh my God. This is all before parkour. Wow. This, uh, uh, yeah, Reed, they never did anything as narrative as Titanic. So no, there I was no. There I was... would be like, Renee, what are you playing? And she would be like, The Sun. Right. It's <laughs> it was like, right. So, so <laughs> yeah. people would watch from yeah. bleachers on the shore. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And there would be like, and they would do like big lights shooting onto the boat from the shore. And, and absolutely. This is yeah. amazing. Okay, this is crazy. I love it. Yeah. Experimental theater, uh, the uh, Paul Kirby, who's the captain of the ship, is also the writer of all the shows and the director. Uh-huh. Um, and then so I started there doing theater. But that's actually where um, I met a, an amazing composer who was composing music for the show, heard me sing and then um, started to compose music for the sh- in the show for me to sing. That was actually the moment I started to really take music seriously. Um through working with this composer. Because before then, I was just like theater all the time. And you could just sing. But you're like, I have a good voice. I can just sing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. She could just sing. We were always just like, work. <laughs> but I mean, it was like crazy. You're like, was... they only want to make you Aunt M or right. Eveline. Right, or right. you could was, just it, like, yeah. It was like, well, I don't know what you want to do with singing because in terms of musicals that's going to get real racist. I mean, Renee and I were just talking about, what was that audition? Oh, well, (laughs) a good friend of ours. Yes, we can definitely talk about it. A good friend of ours, uh, Miora, and she was like always called in to, towards the end of uh, university, she was always called in for all the Broadway shows. You know, she got called in a number of times for Rent and blah, blah, blah. She's gorgeous. She's she's, tall. She looks like a model. Exactly. She was like Grace Jones. In, yeah. at NYU and she's like in the elevator one day being like I just got called for Aida for the main role she's like I'm so happy I'm not getting called in to play another slave and the whole like the elevator just got quiet <laughs> you felt like these poor people who did not know Miora like just shrivel up and freeze and they're all looking at me like girl you're her friend 
help her out. You have to tell her. Tell her. Yeah. You got to tell her. And I was like, well, Miora, um, Aida, it wasn't, I'm so surprised you didn't know it was an opera before. <laughs> Right. Elton John put his hands on it and I'm like trembling, you know, to tell her. I was like, but girl, that's another slave role. You're going to play a slave. They want you to be a slave. You, a slave. Get it? Slave. Yeah. You know, that's how it ended up coming out. <clears throat> well. And went from like constipation to diarrhea, you know, in a second. She's just happy to get to be the star. I know, I know, I know. It's, it's, it was it's like. Surreal. It was so real. So it was this thing of like my experience of then you going to Europe and it was like, Oh, well this seems more open there Mm -hmm. or better or is it? And it seemed to be the, the continual question that you yourself would ask Mm -hmm. because also Renee then all of a sudden would be like, I'm in New York and I'd be like, what? (laughs) And then she, we'd like be hanging out and then like we'd be on, I'd like call her and be like, boop, boop. And she'd be like, I'm in Europe. I'd be like, what? What's, What's happening? And thus begins like this long period of time between New York and, and ultimately Vienna. But mm-hmm. just tell, tell our listeners some, some about that. So I had the opportunity to really be like in Montenegro, Italy, Greece, um, Bulgaria, Romania, Serbia. I was just traveling around this all and performing boat? in all these this places. Is all this boat? is all boat. How yeah. do they get the boat all these places? We sailed it. No. You don't only just perform on it, but you learn how to sail. And I'm great at the helm. Do you I live in the boat? These, like, you live in the boat? Yes, you live in the boat. So you would finish the show and be like, <laughs> okay, now I'm going to swab the deck. No. You know what I mean? <laughs> oh, yeah. You had to do all the chores. All the chores. Did you eat well on the uh-huh. boat? You uh, yeah, we had a, a cook on the boat, so you did eat well. There was How always the bathroom facilities. No. Okay. Yeah. That's the <laughs> that answer. Was really, that was when, when it first began. Like when she was first like I got this job, or like when we first got to talk. Mm-hmm. And at this point too, it would be like one of these things where I'd have to get like an international calling card. If people remember I that, because I had like a, a phone, I'd like use that to call the phone that she had like sent me that I could reach her at. And I was like, what's the bathroom like? And it is a real no. No. Just no. No. Just a no. Anyhow. So they're on the boat. They're going everywhere. She's doing all of that. Yeah, going everywhere. And then one summer, um, I'm in this small town, which is also the town where, and Jack never, I never told you this story, but it was a town where, like, I really came up around um a moment that could have been pretty like bad for me but I was just being so watched and taken care of but anyway in this small town um called Knoiburg or Kornoburg in Austria and the boat was uh was docked there and I was out at night one night at a at a bar and there was a man who just kept trying to um get into my space and you know he just really ruined my night um and so my last drink, my thought was I was too drunk. So I gave my last drink to my friend Rob. And um, later that night, like he couldn't feel his legs or anything. And we had to carry him home. Oh. So the next day on the boat, he's like, I feel like, you know, I was roofied. And we all put two and two together. Um, so that was like my one of my first experiences with Austria. But still... And she was like, I can't wait to live here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I have a quick question I, about the boat. I have a quick question. Mm-hmm. Quick question. 
Now, in my imagination, during the times mm-hmm. when you're not performing, it's all these actors, performers, it's so loud. People are flirting, mm-hmm. screaming, trying to be the center of attention at all meals, drinking. It's a night, it's mm-hmm. literally my worst nightmare. How mm-hmm. could you leave? Was there any escape? Did people jump off the boat to escape the horror of all these actors on a boat? Well, a lot of times when we would dock, when we would dock in new cities, it would get to the point sometimes as as we're mooring, like people are throwing lines to like tie, you know, to um to the um, port. And there would be some people who would be literally walking off the boat. Like they would see us getting close to land. They'd be like, I'm going to take my, I'm going to take these chance because I could easily fall into the water. But they would just like walk off the boat as we're mooring. Like they're done. Yeah, they're done. Over it. You know? Taking their space. Anyways, we got shipwrecked in Turkey. I'm so sorry. I just, I needed to know. You got shipwrecked in Turkey? Yeah. So one night we were, we were sailing through the Bosphorus and, um, and I was actually at the helm and all of a sudden, like the waters are just getting out of control. Like one by one, people are coming up from the bottom of the boat being like, you can't sleep. You can't stand. The boat is just jumping around. Um, and we got caught in what they call the Turkish call the burning chestnut season. So it's like when the gale forces are so strong that a boat like ours could not, could not withstand it. So we actually had to pull over in a small town called Igneda at the tip of Turkey. And we hadn't gone through customs yet. So we weren't really in, um, Turkey proper. So they made us, um, dock on, in front of the coast guard. And there was someone 24 hours a day standing in front of the boat, like with a gun, right? And they had to do all of our food shopping. This was at the end of the tour. So we were like five and a half months into being like, I can't be with you no more. I can't be with you. And then they're like, we'll only be docked here for an afternoon. Two weeks later, no, no showers because you have to like conserve the water. No. Yeah. And it's Ramadan too, for some reason. It was like all the things happening at once. So like we couldn't even bring drinks outside on the boat. You can't get off the boat. You can't take a shower. The Coast Guard's bringing your food. But the best part about it was that the Coast Guard started to fall in love with us. So when they got off shift, they would put their guns down and come and play their um, instruments and teach us Turkish songs. But to this day, I still can't look at Turkish bread. How many people were on this boat? Um, in production time, about 40 people. And then, then when we would, um, actually pre-production, yeah. And then when we would start to sail about 20, Reed, you wouldn't know. The answer is no. Reed couldn't do it. Reed couldn't do it. It's, it's close quarters for a long time. Mm -hmm. But it gave you some training for right now. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So it gave you some training for being able to be, to be, to be still in one place for right now. Anyhow. So Austria. So Austria, uh, I fall in love with a boy. An Austrian, and then I remember, I remember yeah, the photos vividly, that. which that was, was a real like, wow, what? Yeah, yeah the freaky, wow. the freaky Danish guy. You're like, of course, you know, like, right, right. yeah, the freaky Danish guy that looked like Einstein. You're like, of course, that's Renee's partner. Uh, the Austrian Shih Tzu, like Shih Tzu, Shiatsu Masur, because Benji is a Shih Tzu. Uh, Shiatsu Masur. That's a whole nother story. Um, That's the one I remember more clearly, I mm-hmm. have to say, is the yeah. Austrian masseuse. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anyhow. Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, so he kind of whisked me away. After the tour was over, 
I stayed in the country for another two months and then he came to stay with me in New York and we went back and forth. But um, I had plans. I was like, I'm moving to Vienna. And uh, Jack goes, what? <laughs> yeah. I was like, Vienna's not. I was like, Vienna's pretty bad. And I was like, it's pretty like, you know, there's still a lot of, there's like neo-Nazis and stuff. And Renee was like, um, it's got nothing on America. Nothing. And I was like, oh. Wow. I remember that being a real like, oh, wow. She was like, yeah, it's it's better for me there. Yeah. yeah, it was a, yeah. To all of a sudden go on like the totem pole of public enemies, I was no longer number one. I was like number seven, number eight. Ooh. Um, yeah, you all of a sudden you're like, oh wait, they actually are like profiling someone else. It was the first time I've seen like profiling while Asian, you know. Um, the Turkish have it very difficult over there. And then, um, you know, so it was really interesting. So, you know, uh, in in a lot of ways I was, I could breathe. And then for years of being in Europe back and forth and working and being in Vienna and being in uh, other countries in Europe, I could breathe. And then when I moved back here in the States about four or five years ago, the trauma all came back. Yeah. And why, and I want to talk a little bit about Europe, because during this time also is this shift really from acting into singing. Mm -hmm. Like you are literally singing. Singing. And doing, and like going on tours and... uh, Rapping. uh, Rapping. Wait. Now. Wait, Renee, you... (laughs) I'm just, I guess I'm trying to guess, right? Mm Mm-hmm. Are you performing just as Renee, I'm a singer, like with a band? What's, how does mm-hmm. it work? Yes. So I get there, um, you know, and people hear about this singer, you know, and they're actually talking about me. So people are coming after me to work in a lot of spaces I've never worked before. And I fell on my face in the beginning, big time, you know, taking a lot of jobs that I wasn't ready for. But, um, you know, the thing about it was that those people didn't hire me again. And then I would start, you know, but then there were more that wanted to. And because I kept having more practice and I learned how to be humble and say, hey, listen, you know, I also taught myself how to like read music, at least the rhythm. And I can play if I'm in front of the piano. Mm-hmm. So that helped a ton. So what is the context the- and what is the music? Oh, whatever. I love music. Right. So Anything. we were talking about Nina Simone to, yeah, to Tori Amos. Like I was the woman who can sing. Yeah, exactly. Do a, a, a night to Nina Simone and then turn around and sing Ave Maria at the, at a wedding, the Schubert and the Bach, you know, Incredible. same wedding and then do gospel, you know, I love it. Um, and then on top of it, because I had to like, I was running jam sessions and there would always be like some rapper who wasn't good at all being like oh yeah oh yeah oh yeah oh yeah like interrupting a a, like a jam session so you know these musicians could only play like one or two chords at a time you know and they were stuck in those two chords I um I started to take the mic from them and be like no no no, I'm gonna keep this I'm gonna keep this hip-hop going and I would rap like um LL Cool J or things that I heard when I was a kid and then people were like wait you have flow and then I was like wait I have flow and then I started writing. Wow. Um, 
more yeah lyrics and still now I do a lot more like even though I sing I always break into some kind of like rap you know so like when I start my shows now I always do like what I call the dispelling I have to like get rid of all of the the Greek ghosts and goblins and all of the ancestors that are not elevated that are in the room right so like I tell my story and the story of like my family but it's a rap, you know, here's another one, a brother's son, one, you know, didn't know your father had a son, hop one train to another one, ticket value was another sum, paid enough left to fend for mom, oh, she's a pretty one, you know, and then it ends, like, that ends, and exactly, right, <laughs> and then it ends in, like, some operatic, like, <laughs> you know, in that, in the same piece, so, um, <laughs> Wow, Renee! But during that, I want to go to the show. I want to go to the show. Well, and I just got to watch clips of a recent, mm-hmm. or a recent piece that you're working on, which is this exper- which is an experimental opera. Yeah. Um, but before we get to that, mm-hmm. even during though this time of being, because you would come back, mm-hmm. because there'd be these periods where you would come back and then also work with girls. Mm-hmm. I started, you know, I always loved being involved in education. I think, like, to really stay relevant, you know, um, and, like, up on what's happening in the world and to really be inspired, you have to be around youth because they're just, like, breaking down, you know. Every big movement in in around the world has been, you know, pushed through people from the ages of 16 through 25, Um, so, uh, I realized at one point I couldn't like work in the way that I want to with youth because I was traveling a lot. So I was like, I can do this one program within a week. Um, I can allow allow myself that time to be in this one space for a week. And then I can bring in all of these incredible women who are working in different parts of the art world, um, to mentor these, these art activists. So that's how I started in my words with Joy Leonard and um, New Settlement Apartments. And it really, you know, it started out with me being like going up to New Settlement Apartments during a week when it was like uh, spring break. And having gone to NYU, you know, I was really, I kind of got accustomed to all of my friends who during spring break, even though I would go home because I was on scholarship and just like hang out and watch Leprechaun, the horror film, right? And like (laughs) Jennifer Aniston. Exactly. Oh my gosh, really though, right? I've never seen it, but work, okay. Yeah, it's as scary as it sounds, right? Leprechaun with Jennifer Aniston. Well, it's not not scary. Okay, uh, The only part of that that scares me is Jennifer Aniston. The leprechaun's very scary, Jackie. The dirty nails. Dirty, (laughs) dirty. dirty nails do really scare me. There is no gold or rainbow. That's the problem. That movie... It's um, like, what are you really looking for then? You know that movie um, from the play um, Proof with um, Meryl Streep and Philip Seymour Hoffman, mm-hmm. and and the whole um, mo- that's not Proof. That is um, doubt. That is doubt. Yeah. <laughs> I have Proof. <laughs> doubt. Exactly. But anyways, the whole she can the, only go. I have doubt. The whole thing revolves <laughs> yeah. around. Um, how she's so suspicious of him because of his nails. No, Meryl Streep and Philip Seymour Hoffman, because he has long fingernails and she's like, cut your nails. 
Mm. Well, I do have to say that is something that has come up where I have said that to you, Reed, where I've been like, you've got to cut those nails. Help. Yeah. Yeah. They look yeah. good. Those, those look okay. Those look okay. Those look good. Thank you. Anyhow, so, so wait, back to your work with these girls. So, yeah, so we would, um, you know, I realized that spring break for them, spring break looked like, you know, being at home a lot of times being the parent in your house because right. your parents don't have you know, babysitters or, you know, just kind of like having this idle time um, to kind of not, and it's not about getting in trouble. It's just about having idle time when you could be doing something that's like really focused on your own interests. So um, we built a program that was a week long. Um, You did 45 hours within a week of arts intensive programming. So training, um, and it varied by year. It was video production, um, music, theater, um, poetry. We even did like, um, so this piece behind me was created by the girls project. And it was, um, it was mm-hmm. kind of like this printmaking workshop that we were doing like tribal, like creating patterns for your tribe. And we really, that year talked about, um, folk art as in advanced and, and fine art. You know, the way in which like communities of color have been left out of, and especially women and the work that women did, creating baskets, weaving, sewing, had been like, left out of this fine arts world, unless it was right. discovered by some European right. who, who highlights it. Right. So, um, yeah, it was a great program. It's free of cost for these girls. We'd also take them upstate and we actually took them to dance space one year in the Berkshires. Um, and they loved it, except for the fact that it was vegetarian meals. Although we had told them, we wrote it in the um, application. We talked about it in the like orientation meeting. I talked about it on the bus. I talked about it when we sat down to eat. I talked about it like every moment I could, like with their moms in Spanish, whatever I need to do. Like y'all need to know it's vegetarian, vegetarian, vegetarian. The chef is cooking without meat. And the first meal we had was an uproar. And so uh, <laughs> there, one girl, one um, amazing rapper wrote like this piece that she was like, you know what? Your tofu smells like um, feet. Um, move away from there. Give me some beef. We got the eggs, but no bacon. We got the eggs, but no bacon. So finally... <laughs> finally the chef because they love the work that these young artists were doing finally the chef actually uh made the kids some chicken one night and yeah but the best part about this Nicki minaj Mm -hmm. Nicki minaj (laughs) (laughs) started you started started it it. (laughs) you started it for real but, you know, we got to work with some incredible um, artists and, you know, women who are really making their way in the art world. Um, Wana Viamana Numutulu, um, who's a Tongan-American artist who does, um, at that time she was working at the uh, um, Smithsonian uh, for the indigenous people. Um, and then Renata Arluk, who is the first, um, uh, first Nations uh at all, director and um, writer, commissioned writer for Stratford Theatre in Canada, as well as the um, Indigenous uh, Arts Director at Banff. Um, And she got her call about Stratford while she was doing the project, while she was with the girls. And then um, Michaela Leslie Rule, 
who is an amazing storyteller. You probably remember Michaela from the days anyway, because yeah. I lived with Michaela. Yeah. Amazing storyteller. Michaela. And like, um, she calls herself a social scientist. Um, and she's curated things like for the Women's Alliance for the UN, like online, um, like uh, online museums. But she's really all these powerful powerhouse, you know, um, female uh, artists. And so Ronalda taught them about land recognition, you know, they were just getting all of these things that um, I feel like they carry with them with the art and the work that they do now. And so I see them growing up on Facebook and singing in their churches and they're just amazing, amazing young women um, and, you know, and amazing people. Yes. And what happened? So then what was in coming back and doing that and then going back to mm -hmm. Vienna and touring through Europe where, you know, and, and putting and, and then what was the transfer then? So then what was the decision and the transfer to then end up being based in New Orleans? So, um, if you remember, there was a time when I talked about you, but like talked to you about being the plague, you know, I was living in, 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 um, Vienna and, uh, it was when the Arab Spring was really, um, you know, many refugees were leaving Syria and um, Germany had opened its borders to a certain number of a million um, people um, who were seeking refuge. And so a lot, a lot of people were using the transit system. They would go in the Obey Bay that would take them from through Austria into Germany. So um, during that time, I was in Vienna. Um, and I would do some like, when I say aid or relief, I mean, we would sometimes go to the train station, look for any women who needed like a coffee or if they need us to buy diapers or baby food or whatever have you. Um, and I felt a lot of solidarity, you know, with these, um, with, with more brown bodies in this area. Those who couldn't get to Germany when the, when the um, gates became closed stayed in Austria. And so um, you know, the youth, I had a couple of run-ins as a singer, I'd be out at night really late. And I had a couple of like physical altercations with young, um, Syrian boys, you know, and because they had no exposure to the black, Europe, like American, they had no exposure to the black European. So they saw me, they saw like, obviously my Cameroonian and my West African, you know, roots and that's it. And they locked in on it. And so it was like this whole thing of like me looking back at them, me being out too late at night and like needing to, and it was just like, it was such a culture clash. And I was like, no, 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 no. We're going through the same experience. Like, can you see that we're both like displaced right now? Like, can you see this? We're both brown bodies. Um, but that wasn't the mission that they, and that wasn't what they were seeing and dealing with. So um, once it became physical and I was, uh, my safety was really questionable. I thought about, you know, all the dear, the people dearest to me, like it would take them at least 20 hours to get to me if something seriously happened. And I wasn't married at that time. So I was like, I need to go back. And um, when I thought about going back, it was like I had prerequisites. Had to be a city that, that really understood the purpose of art. It had to be a city that was full of um, black people. You know, I'd been living in Europe and specifically Vienna for a while. You know, I mean, girl gets thirsty for her own people. And then, um, and then also had to be a city that had somewhat still kept like a European identity to it. 
Um, so, and I have a lot of good friends from the boat. There's a huge amount of people from the caravan who live in New Orleans. There's probably about like 10 of us. So. And so then there. you went and had, and also Pam was there. Yeah, Pam, who, you know, brought me on the boat, brought me to New Orleans. In fact, we might as well just title this um, Pam Shadow. <laughs> or, or, or just, or like Renee Benson's journey around the world as lured by Pam. Right. <laughs> like it's really, because I remember when you were coming back and I was like, yeah, you're going to be in the city. And you were like, no way. You were like, it is not affordable. Yeah. And I was like, it's not, but like, can't we? And you're like, no, mm -hmm. I want to have like a life. Well, and you came here for a bit. Mm -hmm. Like there was this moment where you came here and I remember it just being, and you were like, this is just not, it's not no, working. it wasn't working. And at that time, I remember even I was like engaged to a German banker and, you know, and it's like, but oh it was, my God, Renee, you remember, remember that? that? Yeah, but that was his that money, was you know? wild. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I also hadn't, I was also like, wow, because I was like, well, we're rich, mm -hmm. you're going to marry someone rich. Mm -hmm. I, I need to figure that out. <laughs> and you're doing it and you're like, I don't want it. And I was like, what? And you're like, I can't. And then she was out. It was, which is always, you know. Wow. That was a wild time. I remember you being choices. in that apartment big and choices. us being on the phone and you being like, I can't do it. And I was High like. High rise. Yeah. And, but you'd send me photos of the apartment. I'd be like, well. <laughs> that view. You're like, keep I trying, know. Renee. Keep trying. Well, it was like, cause it was like, you know, being kept in a glass tower. It was. It was. I mean, was he, I remember him out. saying, like, because I was with him, the doorman treated him better. You know what I mean? Like, I had a different outlook on, on him. Mm -hmm. I was like, uh, oh, so do I make you look good to be, uh, you know, is this what's happening? But, um, no, we, we separated our ways. I couldn't, you know. I never met him either. He's handsome. He was a, he was a who. Did I meet him? I don't think I met him. But I remember, mm -hmm. but I remember. You remember. And then, and then what, so how did it work with going to New Orleans? So I came to New Orleans and right away I started working for an arts education um, program. And I also, at that time, another thing that we didn't talk about was like this transition, right? What happened during my time in, um, had a lot to do with my Buddhism and my Buddhist practice, like, while I was in Austria, you know, um, one of my musical directors was like, I can tell you've had trauma. What is it that you're hiding? Kind of outed me out about like my childhood stuff. So when I came to New Orleans, I was like, I need to be in the earth. I got to dig into the earth. So I started farming. I worked as like an organic farmer, organic um, greens farmer. And also the person who owned that farm was also Buddhist. I was practicing with them. Um, and I started working for an arts education program as an after-school teacher teaching farming, actually to special education students, which was amazing because if there's a mind that really thinks in terms of habits and wants to like daily needs to do the same thing, like that's what farming is, right? Like every day attending to the crops and then like also like looking intensely to say no they need this they need that you know
I did about this other project, which I want, I wanted, if you don't mind giving a little teaser about just because I feel we're so in it. So, I mean, Renee and I just also like the, when we just spoke this past week, you had just gotten a grant for mm-hmm. an upcoming work, which is? Um, it's called Requiem for a Stranger. And um, it's going up here in New Orleans. We did a workshop series at the Contemporary Arts um, uh, center here in New Orleans, and we're going back into residency again, um, social distance in the fall. And so the piece is around, uh, the loss that myself and co-creator Jenny Sargent, um, who is a Lecoq trained, um, artist, uh, physical theater artist, um, experienced through our lives, mine being like more ambiguous loss and, um, uh, you know, Jenny Sargent was a little bit more of the loss of someone, a beloved. Um, and it's based, it's a non-narrative, like n- narrative, you know, I didn't want to use many words. It's um, based off of uh, between uh, Raina Maria Rilke's um, Requiem for a Stranger and then also Nikki Giovanni's beautiful ode to Tupac Shakur when he passed away, All Eyes on You. Um and those are like the two pieces that really, you know, built the foundation of it. But we are looking at uh, death and mourning and death and the process of mourning and grief as it is in the American heart space. Which is, you know, really lacking. And, mm-hmm. and that was what was wild. I mean, as Renee and I were just catching up because the piece that I'm looking at making with Mark Swanson for 2021 is also this, uh, is looking at grief and mourning and what, how, how we're not able to do that very well in this country. And we're right now really in that. There's all this death and people have to eat outside right. and have their things mm-hmm. and have everything spiral forward because no one is capable, it seems, of holding space for the loss for what not only what we're losing by not getting to hang out with each other and see each other and hug each other and love each other in those more demonstrative ways, but in very, also these other huge things of the swaths of death, people losing their family and their friends, and we aren't holding any space for them, which is what mourning used to be able to be. And um, we would witness, yeah, yeah as a community yeah. to bear witness, right. to hold them, to understand they're going through a grieving time. Um, and uh, it's a real, it's a mess. So it's a mess. So yeah. Up to and the I artists to make that yeah. space. Yeah, hmm. it is. It, it's really up to us to bring it back. Like um, I was telling Jack that so much of when we first started talking about this, so much of it was based off of like how much in one generation I had lost this tradition um, from my grandfather's side, who's Jamaican, of like the whalers, the professional whalers. So when my grandfather died, we had women dressed in white who like screamed on his coffin. They were paid, you know, at the end of the two hours, they would like wipe their eyes and hand put their hands out. You give them the money and they left, but they wailed for you. Right. So because you couldn't weep. Right. Not at that point. But they they opened up the door, the passage yeah. for you to weep. Yeah. Um, so we really looking we're looking at the witness and the importance of the community to witness that grief. And, um, you know, talking to I've had 
fortune of really being welcomed into a lot of indigenous communities. But, you know, um, on the other side of grief and of, of public grief, you know, they talk about being able, that is the other side of glorifying something, of praising it, right? Because that thing was so wonderful and that thing was so beautiful, or even that thing was so painful, we're able to acknowledge it. So praise, grief, and praise are like in the same ball. It's a, yeah. it's, just, it's respect. And it's so important. It's respect. Mm-hmm. That is just respect. really the, in this capitalism, the death cult, that we are just spiraling forward with it. Um, spiraling What an incredible forward. job to be one of these like paid whalers. My gosh. Mm-hmm. I wonder if that takes its emotional toll on you to go and like, produce emotion for a period of time from what i can see from you know um sometimes people are born into it so it's like a family mission um like in india there are certain communities certain villages that they're just the eaters they eat for the dead so they go to the funeral and they eat you know to make sure that that body still has sustenance so there's like yeah which is weird because here in the states we have this like or in Puritan times had a creepier version of that, which is the sin eaters. Yes. Where they would leave out bread and beer by the dead body. And then when the bread had wasn't so great and the beer was flat, mm-hmm. they would invite in poor people to, to drink and eat that mm-hmm. as if the person's sin had all gone into that material and then beat oh, wow. those people out of the house. Mm-hmm. So you'd be like, come in, eat my person's sin, and I'm going to beat you because you're also my person's sin get out i mean it's just the violence here it's real it's real it's real twisted up but i think that's this thing of i'm not looking for that Mm -hmm. in morning and melancholia (laughs) i'm not looking for i'm not looking for us to go into that kind of thing but i am i do believe in anyone who's heard this podcast that i used to say artists are the stomach of society and now i'd say it's the liver we are having to process material that is like Gunk, 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 just digestive plaque. Mm-hmm. It's a real, yeah. it's a lot. Um, the, the Brita filtration <laughs> system. <laughs> I like, I like that. I like that, that version it. of it, right? I like that. I like that version of it. Yeah. Um, We're just like plastic tubes full of charcoal dust. I like that. I like that one, Raid. And where can people get more information about you? So uh, I have my own website, ReneeBensonMusic.com. Um, and then um, you can also find out about uh, the opera from uh, www.lee, that's L-E-E-L-A-H.com, Leela.com. Mm-hmm. I will, will we'll be posting not, not to be confused well. with my brilliant mm-hmm. friend not oh yeah that. I want to post videos of opera on we'll, our own we'll be posting both of those as well yes. and Renee I will likely speak with you um, tomorrow yes <laughs> but <laughs> I um oh wait I, I, you Renee, didn't did was... you ask me about how I think the end of the world is going to go Oh my God! Oh, I want to know. Are you I ready for this? Read. The world this is, needs to hear this because this is. I'm always is, ready to hear about something final. This is Renee's projection for the end of the world. The end of the okay. world, okay, where ready. like different communities have like made peace with themselves. I really think the black community is just going to disappear. 
like just be poof, evaporate. There was a great play called uh, Day of Absence um, when they just like everyone just disappears. But I think the final stand. Um, so I'm hoping I have eyes somewhere. I'd like to disappear into being a tree. The final stand is actually going to be white women against white women. And so it's like the 59, excuse me, the 51 percent and the 49, the 51 being the ones who voted for Trump and the 49 percent, you know, are you they're a mixture of all different types of white women who didn't vote for Trump. But um, it comes down to that. I think that that's going to be the final stand. And um, I see it clear as day. That new show, Miss what Miss America, Mrs. America, Mrs. America. Is, we talked about it on this podcast. It's a real all about it. And every like social event I'm at, it comes. There's a moment between the 51 and the 49, and I'm watching it, and I'm like, I told you. Well, yes, that must be more common in in Louisiana. It is, but trust that it's in New York too. Oh, it is absolutely oh. here. Oh yeah, the moment your car drives over the bridge into the next closest place, there's Trump signs all, all over. over the place. And there, well, and there's also like other discreet ways of seeing it as well. Mm-hmm. I mean, certainly when we've been uptown, there mm-hmm. there can be a level of. You just don't, it's not as, it's not as spottable, mm-hmm. but the conservatism is certainly mm-hmm. happening. Yeah. It is. And it's. So that um, is Renee's, Renee told me that I believe last week and blew my <laughs> mind. I was like, I have to remember to bring that up on the podcast. So thank you for my, I mean, cause I really, just, it's, 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 I mean, she's looking into her crystal ball for I it. am. I mean, I'm just so, Renee, I can't think of her being on the pod and I just wanted people to hear your story of what it is to keep moving Mm. yeah to keep moving i'm only i'm grateful that i got you got to pop into our life when we were doing that one show i know and that's that was it you just popped in and popped (laughs) out crazy how crazy was that when i was like i'm gonna do a piece it was a piece called I'm Trying to Hear Myself. Yes. And I was like, we're going to have this really like... At the new museum? Abusive gay... At the new museum. Mm-hmm. The first piece I ever did at the new museum. We had this abusive, weird gay piece. Reed will come out and kind of sing. I'll eventually go through this uh, violence, being assaulted, being naked, be crying. And then... And I was like... And I know the audience is going to be fully white. Mm-hmm with this white show mm-hmm. will you come in posing as an audience member and then stand up and just start singing at me at the end right and it was a real I was like how do I indict myself in this audience and all of this stuff and like have my friend come in and, and deal with it and it was and after that I was like I did it you did but I love the audience <laughs> reaction like no one talked about how jarring it was to see like this just like mm-hmm. audience member, a black woman just get up, walk on stage, and it's like there's pain, affliction here. I'm a part mm-hmm. of the healing process, you know, and start singing. Or they didn't want to talk about like the martyrdom or all the social emotional labor that we try to put on black women in this country. Instead, they were all like, You sounded nice. And I was like, You're scared. Totally. I was like, What we were looking at here was also the way the, uh, gay white man appropriates and looks to mm-hmm. this the strong black woman. Because I remember at the time I'd had this, not at the time, it was almost in the future, I'd dated this awful 
German guy. Mm. And he was like, my mantra for this year is I'm a strong black woman. And I was like, um, you can't say that. Yeah. No. I was like, you really cannot say that. Um, we lost. I love you. I love you. I love you so much. Thank you so like much for having me. I'm so sorry I left. I'm back. I love you too, Renee. My Wi-Fi I went crazy. Know. Just you guys, I'm sorry. It's been a crazy technical day. I love you. We love you. Go straight to I'm going straight to sleep right now for an hour. Do it. Please. Bye, girl. Renee, Renee, I love you. Love you. Yes, Bye. love you. I love you so Thank much. Thank you so much and for having me on the podcast. And Are you kidding? I love you Long both. Long overdue. Oh. Long overdue. I'll be, I'll be, <laughs> right on I'll every be posting. Week, we- I'll be posting the websites, all the ways to find um, Renee and, uh, and no more. I love you. Love you. So much. Thank you so much. Thank love. you. Love you. Bye. Talk to you soon.